sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right I wish you could be happy Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back this week MJ Rawls is back on too, and we are going to be talking all about Star Wars The Force Awakens. I actually wanted to do this podcast sooner than we are doing it right now, but it actually works out nicely since the next movie in the trilogy is coming out in December. So this is a kind of good start to get this going and maybe get some more Star Wars stuff up before that film comes out. I know we've covered rebels clone wars rogue one but there's still so many star wars things to cover i probably haven't even scraped the surface with my podcast and i think this will definitely be a good conversation today mj on that note how are you doing today i'm pretty good uh i'm glad to be back on the podcast and uh talking some star wars yeah so why don't we go ahead and just jump right into this you know I think with the casting, they did a really good job of finding another core group to focus the film around. And you have Daisy Ridley as Ray, you have John Boyega as Finn, and Oscar Isaac as Poe. So I think, you know, yes, it's kind of the same as in its two men and a woman like it was for the original trilogy and everything like that. But what do you think about these casting choices and how they've portrayed the characters based on those choices? Well, uh, in terms of force awakens, uh, you do still have the three core characters like you had in the original trilogy with like Luke Han and Leia. Yeah. It's a little different because with Ray if you if you juxtapose Ray and you juxtapose Leia, um, Leia is strong. I mean, you know, she killed Jabba the Hutt. You know what I mean? But like, she's strong in a diplomatic way. Um, she's she's often like the figurehead of you know, Princess Leia, and uh, you know she gets into combat. Where Ray is, you know, at first the scavenger that you find on Jakku. Right. And then she goes into her, you know, she's force sensitive and then she kind of grows into her power and stuff like that. And then she kind of becomes uh quote unquote, like our Luke and, and this new trilogy. Um, Poe Dam- Dameron is kind of like the charismatic, you know, X-wing fire pilot, like almost like Han Solo. And then Finn is just kind of, well, he was he was a stormtrooper. Then he kind of wakes up, and then he kind of goes on his own path to try to, you know, do good and atone for what you know the first order has done. So they're like a little, like we still have the core, but there's we're getting there different than we did with you know Han, Luke, and Leia. Yeah, and I think with Ray and Poe there's actually quite a bit of Luke and Han in both of them because when we see Rey in the Millennium Falcon doing all these sorts of crazy things because she doesn't she knows how to fly but she doesn't really know how to fly nearly as well as Han or Luke did in the original trilogy and then we see her you know leave with Chewie at the end and everything and 
her and Han sort of just had this connection where it's like, okay, she's sort of going to take not necessarily his mantle, but he's comfortable with her being in the Millennium Falcon and Chewie likes her and that sort of thing. And then with Poe, you know, he flies an X-Wing like Luke did. And like you said, he does have that charisma like they portray in Han Solo. So with those two, it's a little more ambiguous, I would say, on who exactly they're supposed to be. But it's not like they made Rey be the next Leia or anything like that. And I think even though there are some similarities to the original trio from the original trilogy, they've put a little bit of a spin on it. And the fact that Finn was a stormtrooper sort of just gives them a whole different perspective on this because yes, they've had some people defect to the rebellion who had inside info on the empire and everything like that. And Finn obviously has that with the first order, but I think they just did a really good job of not making them just copies of these characters we've already seen. Yeah. Uh, going in, I guess what a criticism that people said about the force awakens that it was, it felt like it was too much like a new hope. But I think a good a good thing that J.J. Abrams did was, with the new base characters, like you said, give them little instances of what we already know. Yeah. Of course, you have, you know, Leia, you have Leia and Han in the movie, more of, like, guiding forces, and you only hear of Luke. Like, you hear legends of Luke, like, they're, they're looking for Luke, Luke's gone missing, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of guides our new characters into their new journey. So it kind of, I mean, it feels familiar, but it also kind of feels like something new. Like, you know, you're getting to know characters that you're going to know, you know, down the road with these next two movies. Yeah, exactly. And while they're doing, you know, these sort of side stories in between the trilogy movies and everything, I think this is still going to be their core group for at least this first new trilogy that they do. And the fact that, you know, they just give you these characters right off the bat, they don't feel the need to sort of put in Han, Luke, and Leia at the beginning and then introduce these characters. We see, you know, a little bit of each of them. And, you know, they're not the only new cast members or anything like that. So you, you then have General Hux and Captain Phasma, and you have these new players, and especially Kylo Ren, for the First Order. And I think they did a good job there, too. But I think these three are still going to be the main focus along with Kylo Ren. And it'll be interesting to see if we see Captain Phasma again, first of all, because apparently she went down the garbage chute and, you know, and who knows where General Hux ended up or if he ended up being reprimanded, which with the First Order probably means, you know, you'll end up dead somewhere. So it'll be interesting to see who all they bring back from this film specifically other than the three, you know, rebellion heroes, so to speak, and then Kylo Ren. But what do you think about the Empire becoming the First Order, too, and having a sort of new cast there without really bringing back any of the former cast, other than whoever Snoke is, if he ends up being tied to the original trilogy or anything like that? Well, I think that the First Order is a lot more dangerous, and you kind of have to up the ante, right? because, you know, in the first trilogy, you had the Emperor... 
and you saw how he how he you know Palpatine became Sidious, and then you had you know Anakin Skywalker, who's supposed to you know be the one that brings the balance to the Force and stuff like that, fall from grace and become a shell of himself. Him as Darth Vader, he's still powerful, but he's not what he could have been. Right. Kylo Ren is from him. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't really. He's evil. Like, I mean, if if you're gonna kill, spoiler alert, but I'm, you know, assuming everybody's seen the movie. Yeah. yeah. If you're gonna kill your own dad. You know what I mean? There's evil about him, but there's also, you know, the light that he's trying to fight to stay away from. So he's a complex character. I know a lot of people, you know, make fun of him for being emo. Right. But if you remember, Anakin Skywalker was the king of emo. I mean, it seemed like he was conflicted at every single turn from the Phantom Menace to, you know, Revenge of the Sith. So they're kind of like in that that way. Uh, General Hux, he's the commander, but they're they're also in a power struggle. Like him and Kylo for Snoke. And of course, Snoke... um, we don't even know who he is. I mean, there's rumors and theories out there that he, you know, he could be, uh, you know, Plagueis or Darth Maul, which I think is, I don't think he's Darth Maul, but, right. or he's coming from the Outer Rim, and we still don't really know who he is yet. What is he, how is he training Kylo? Uh, how is he training? Who trained him? You know, so the First Order, you know, with the weapon that they have and whatnot, there's still a lot of unknowns. And I feel like in the new movie, we'll really know what their destructive power is. Yeah. And that sort of leads me into the next thing I want to talk about, which is the balance they struck between the old characters and the new characters. And I think, like I said, with them starting with the new characters, that sort of set them off on the right foot because we get to see each character sort of in their element, you know, Poe's going to retrieve part of the map that will lead them to Luke. And he's there with his droid BB-8, which is, you know, I don't want to say he's like the new R2-D2 because he's a totally different type of droid, but it's sort of that same feeling. And then Finn, we see him in that same opening scene we just don't know it's him yet but he refuses to kill any of the villagers and then you know after that scene has passed we sort of go to ray as a scavenger and she's just fighting to survive and is still hoping her parents will come back even though based on the flashback they show of her when her parents leave i feel like it has to be at least like somewhere between 10 and 15 years when her parents left. So she's been waiting quite a while. And I think that just goes to show the character of all three before we even dive into, okay, here's Han, here's Leia, and they're all looking for Luke and that sort of other story that we get along with this. Because while looking for Luke is a huge part of the story, it's not the only thing that happens in the movie. And I think that was... A really good choice on their part so what do you think of the that balance they sort of struck between the new 
actors and actresses in this and the characters we're so used to seeing from that original trilogy. I mean, I thought they did a good job even before the movie and and kind of like downplaying any leaks and like just letting influence of information, the trailer here, you know, pictures there and stuff like that. Because I went into the movie and um, I had, you know, I knew that Luke had went missing, but Luke doesn't turn up until the very end of the movie. Right. So like Luke is kind of like the new legend as like, you know, an Obi-Wan or somebody like that. I liked it because, well, one, it makes me uh, anticipate this one coming up. For a person who's seen the previous trilogies, I kind of wanted something new. Um, I wanted something, you know, the thing about the Star Wars is that a lot of families went. So it was kind of like them reliving this all over again. Like, hey, we got new families, but now I could bridge it to the old trilogy and it's like this and and this piece goes here and whatnot um and i think they cast it perfectly you know i love daisy ridley as as ray john boyega as finn is awesome and oscar isaac is perfect as poe dameron you know daisy ridley's you know toughness kind of coincided with harrison ford's you know charismatic nature as uh being Han Solo, everybody fit together, you know what I mean? And then you had Leia, who's who's like the ultimate, you know, as like the ultimate mom, you know what I mean? She's like the, the mother figure. She She's the head of the rebellion. So I think everything that J.J. Abrams set up was perfect, that you felt familiar with the storyline, like, hey, I you know, I've kind of seen this before, but right. it still had that balance of it being a new experience. Yeah, and I think what they did a really good job with as far as the writing and everything goes is every time Han or Leia ended up in a scene, they weren't the sole center of attention there. And I think that was a smart move too because you see Leia interacting with Poe and Finn and while she's great in all of the scenes that she's in, it's not like they were just trying to make her and Han the star stars of the movie again, even though, you know, they're still stars in their own respect during this movie and the filming and everything. But it's like they allowed the new characters to sort of have their moments, too. And they were able to have those moments together on screen instead of having, you know, oh, Han and Leia have their moments here and then they have their moments here and they don't really intertwine. I think making those things intertwine is what made this such a great movie. And I think it gave a lot of hope to all of the people who were around to see the original trilogy when it was in theaters and everything. And it's like, it wasn't totally a regurgitation of the original trilogy, but it gave you that same feeling you got when you watched those movies. Yeah, there were even, you know, even characters had uh, good instances apart, uh, yeah. especially with the opening in the movie when, uh, you know, Finn is just a stormtrooper and they're, you know, the First Order's coming to that planet and 
he sees, you know, a false stormtrooper die. And then you see that blood stain and him just kind of just shaking like, oh, my God. And then takes his helmet off. Like, what have I done? Yeah. Um, That was just great. And then, you know, him and Poe having their kind of like, you know, double moment. That was that brought humor. And then when all three of them came together, it was great as well. You know, so as a director, it you have to with a movie like Star Wars. And if you're introducing new characters, you have to give the audience's reasons to kind of relate to them, relate to their um, like nuances, their personalities and stuff like that. And Star Wars Force Awakens did that with all three, even Kylo, uh, you know, and his, you know, emotional attachments to uh, Darth Vader and even his temper tantrums. You get a sense of, all right, well, I kind of know these guys. Now let's get to the next movie and let's see what the big reveals are going to be. Yeah, and I sort of just want to talk about the movie in general now because there's so much that goes on here. The movies, you know, I think it runs about two hours and 18 minutes or so, but we'll call it like two hours and 10 minutes because we all know that credits sort of take forever on big productions like this because there's a lot of names to throw in those credits. But, you know, we get just over two hours of this movie and I thought it was paced really well because none of the scenes seemed to drag on longer than they needed to. And there was sort of always something of relevance and of of importance going on in this movie. It wasn't like there was any really filler that they were just throwing it in to be like, okay, we need to make this about two hours, if not longer, as they do with a lot of, you know, movies now. And some of the standout moments for me were when we see Finn find BB-8 and Ray, and they run into a pair of stormtroopers, and they end up just sort of running through the town there if you can even call it a town i mean jaku's not (laughs) the greatest place to be and you know finn grabs ray's hand to sort of lead her away and she's just like why are you doing that i don't need you to hold my hand to run away (laughs) and that sort of thing and it just shows how independent she is but it sort of also brings this comedy aspect to the film and everything like that and there's a lot of moments like that because you know Harrison Ford brought those moments to the original trilogy and that's sort of just something that was consistent with that feeling and everything and you sort of get that same thing with Finn and you know that scene and then when they find the Millennium Falcon and she calls it garbage basically it's just like for the fans seeing that ship means something totally different but to a lot of these people it's just like junk ship essentially and they don't really know what to do with it and no one's flown it in so long and i think it was just one of those nice moments where they're doing a fan service but it also fits really well into the story and into who these characters are yeah uh i'm trying to yeah i'm i'm like replaying this all in my head and i'm trying to remember when i was in the movie theater watching this the first time i, I went to go see it I was with two of my best friends and his girlfriend, who's an absolute diehard Star Wars Wars fan. 
So the scene that you were talking about when the, the Millennium Falcon happened mm-hmm. uh, and came and she called it garbage, she immediately was like, boo. Like, <laughs> like she's like, what? And I laughed because I'm like, all right, well, like the new kids, it, it's a nod to like the new kids and, and whatnot saying like, oh, well, we might love the Millennium Falcon, but like, eh, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like the old style of, you know, ship and whatnot. And the fact that she doesn't actually realize it's the Millennium Falcon too, which we find out later when Han Solo and Chewie board the ship. And then she's like, oh, you're Han Solo. <laughs> and then it sort of clicks that that's the Millennium Falcon because, you know, obviously it's a very special ship, but there were other ships like it, apparently, because you know how they basically have a bunch of the same model of ships. You have the transport ones and everything like that. And for the most part, a lot of them will look the same. But what Han and Chewie brought to the Falcon was more so, you know, themselves, first of all, and then all the little things you know, things they changed on the inside of the ship and everything like that. So on the outside, it still looks like this specific model of a ship. And you can sort of just walk by it and not realize that it's necessarily the Millennium Falcon. But because it's the only type of ship that we really see, it's like the fans all knew what it was. But for everyone else in the Star Wars universe, they're just like, oh, hey, it's another ship. And I think that sort of added to that moment later on for Ray when she realizes that it's the Millennium Falcon. Uh, yeah, uh, I uh, there were nods back to uh, I love the little nuanced nods back to the original the original trilogy and, and whatnot. And um, I loved when I guess they're on uh, they're about to infiltrate the base, and uh, Finn is talking to Han Solo, and they're like, "Well, how are we supposed to get in there?" And Finn's like. We'll just use the force. And Han's like, the force doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and so like, <laughs> like everybody, it, it's weird because people in the universe, in the universe now had like this, like view, like everybody was force sensitive and everybody isn't, even though at the fight scene at the end, uh, when Finn fights Kylo, I'm like, Oh wow. Is he really like, does he really have force powers? And then you kind of find out that he kind of doesn't because right. Kylo just another scene, of course, is uh, the death scene uh, when Kylo kills uh, Han. I didn't see that coming. Well, we kind of saw that coming. My friends did. I was like, no, this is not going to happen. Right. And then he did. And then like, Chewie being all sad and like, you know, shooting at Kylo and whatnot. I'm like, wow, Kylo really completed his transformation to the dark side. And I got shades of Anakin at that point. Uh, but Anakin didn't. It, the difference is that when Anakin fought Obi Wan back in Revenge of the Sith, he didn't win. You know, Obi Wan, it was his arrogance that kind of got him almost killed. And burnt to a crisp. Right. When Kylo fights, yeah, when, when Kylo fights Rey, it's like that he, she becomes into his power, but she wanted, he wanted to be a teacher to her. So I'm like, hmm, does he want to turn her to the dark side? Does he, 
does the good in him want to, you know, have her as an apprentice? Uh, there's a lot of ways you can kind of build around that. Uh, I loved just kind of like the complex between Ray and, and Kylo, especially when they take Ray captive and then she realizes that she could use the force to fight back when he was interrogating her. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to see, yeah, I'm loving, I want to see the dynamic of what they do with future movies because I thought Kylo was super strong, especially in the first of the movie where he, he stops a uh, shoot shot from a blaster. But you come to find out that, you know, Ray is not only as strong, but maybe stronger without any training. So, yeah. And I think the thing that's interesting with the two of them is Kylo doesn't really appear to have a whole lot of composure. You mentioned his temper tantrums and we see him destroy things, you know, on the base and on the ships that he's on just because, you know, something doesn't go his way. And we see that specifically when Ray uses the Jedi mind trick to get one of the stormtroopers to let her go and, you know, leave the door open, leave her with a blaster and everything. And I think what they did well there is it wasn't like she got the hang of it and just, you know, said it first try, the stormtrooper listened. She said it a few times. And while that still seems like a fairly quick learning curve, I think because of the fact that Ray has a lot more composure and patience than Kylo Ren does, it was easier for her to sort of more quickly get a hang of these things because she stayed composed while Kylo Ren just sort of kept getting angrier and angrier and he was no longer really in control. And when they're fighting out in the snow and everything, it obviously helps that Chewie got a shot in, which I think... If you want to really compare Kylo Ren to Vader, Vader would have never let that happen. Chewie would have never come close to shooting Vader, probably. And I think that shows while Kylo might end up being more powerful than Vader, if he's not composed enough and just, you know, as ruthless as Vader was, it might not matter in the end. So it'll be really interesting to see how they have his character progress throughout the trilogy. But I do like how that light bulb sort of goes off with Ray, and she's like, okay, there are things that I can do. There are things that I've heard of, you know, in stories and whatnot of what the Jedi could do. So let me see what I can get a hang of and try while my life sort of basically depends on it. And I think that was done pretty well for her character. Well, like the two, with them two, with the dark side of the force, they really act on emotion. They react on anger. They act on fear. They act on desperation and whatnot like that. You saw that when Kylo was kind of like pounding the wound because like the anger kind of made it's kind of like the Hulk effect with 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 uh, Sith. Right. And you, I, I'm not even sure if he's. You can even classify him as a Sith right now because we don't know who Snoke is. But um, so he he idolized. One thing I, I wonder, and and I've been trying to go through the canon and the legends and stuff like that, he idolizes Darth Vader. Right. So, but when Annie, but when Darth Vader died, he turned, Anakin turned into a force ghost. So, with him trying to do, I, I guess he does a meditation with his helmet and whatnot. 
does Darth Vader kind of appear to him in that way? Is there kind of like a duality in the ghost for that? That that would be kind of cool. With Rey, um, you do see kind of like the Jedi like being composed and, and, and not really acting out of emotion. They're just kind of letting it guide you. But the thing is, especially coming with the next movie and what we know from what Luke has said and whatnot, um, maybe there's a greater power out there other than what, you know, Obi-Wan and, uh, and Yoda has taught. And I don't know if they're going to go in the gray Jedi category, especially when, you know, Luke says, you know, uh, the Jedi must end. uh, But, um, you do kind of, kind of see that, that with Ray, it's going to be different. It's not going to be your, you know, typical, you know, Jedi ways. This is going to be way different. She's going to need it, especially because I think Snoke is way more, he might be way more powerful than uh, Sidious. Well, I hope. So we'll see. Yeah. And another thing with Ray is they didn't just imply that she had the force within her or anything right from the start of the movie. They gave us these little bits of it throughout and it sort of culminated in that fight with Kylo Ren and when they get to the cantina and you know they've had their conversation with Maz Kanata and everything like that who is a great addition too because you know when you think of the original trilogy and sort of the Star Wars universe in general it's very likely that some sort of cantina is involved and I think this one sort of being so secluded it was a nice touch and there you have the lightsaber basically calling to Rey and you get this crazy vision out of it and this is all before you know she even knows that it was Luke's lightsaber which she finds out and It's just one of those moments where you're like, okay, they want to go to this place with this character, but they're not giving it to us all at once. They're sort of just building up to this moment. And I think they did a really good job with that buildup because if they had just been like, hey, here's this person and they can use the force, I don't think it would have been quite as exciting of a journey for the character. Oh, yeah. In those instances, you also hear um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's voice in the background. Right. So, like, there's this curiosity um, what lineage Rey comes from. Because you don't really know who her parents were that left her on Jakku. Right. Is she a Kenobi? Is she a Skywalker? We don't know yet. Um, All we know is, you know, she's about to train with Luke. So... Yeah, it, I love how, you know, it raises it. The movie raised more questions and didn't get annoying. Like you saw the movie and you're I know some people, you know, read the, the comics that happened before, read the books like we have, like we read the books that, that came after or in between this and uh, The Last Jedi. It inspired you to try to dig up as much information as you can. 
Yeah, and Lucasfilm does a great job with that because basically they have this entire group of people overseeing every aspect of the Star Wars stuff, and Kathleen Kennedy is at the helm for all of the movies and everything. So there's going to be this continuity and everything and this story that all of these different types of media are going to follow, whether it's the comics, the books, you know, the movies, the TV shows, everything fits together. And I know some people aren't huge fans of that because then they feel like, you know, if they're not big on reading, they're going to be missing out on a lot of stuff. And I understand, you know, where they're coming from with that. But for people like you and I who sort of enjoy all of these different types of media and everything, it's just a lot more for us to have to dig into and everything like that. But if you're someone who just watches the movies, I think you still get pretty much the whole story. It's just all of these other things are going in depth on, you know, specific stories that might not have to do with you know, the this new trilogy specifically, and you have Star Wars Rebels that sort of, it answers some questions that have come up after the Clone Wars animated series and everything like that. So the fact that they even managed to keep everything straight between all of these different forms of media and everything is amazing to me. But I think, you know, if you just watch the movies and you don't pay attention to much else you you'll still get a really good story out of it oh yeah and especially with the star wars universe there's so many great stories and it's not just in the movies like you've talked about rebels uh you know you've talked about some of the books if anything star you know the force awakens kind of renewed this not only in the cinematic universe but it renewed the sense of okay, like, let me get back into the folklore again. I don't think that ever died, but I think it became, because this movie was so good, it hit a fever pitch again. Yeah, definitely. And for me, I had seen, you know, all six of the Star Wars movies and everything like that. And then I went back and rewatched the original trilogy before this came out. But I think this movie is the one that really made me want to start digging into the books, the comics and everything a whole lot more because when I initially watched the films in the second trilogy and everything like that, I didn't necessarily get into it right away. And I think now they've just sort of done this huge reboot and put so much focus on it that it's almost hard to ignore, even if you're just a casual Star Wars fan. So for me, it's been really fun getting to dig into all of these things and just try and piece together as much as I can with the books and the TV shows and everything like that. But what they also do really well is they just keep adding more and more depth to these stories. And you can get lost in these side characters that, you know, have five minute parts in the movies like snap wexley is in the force awakens and if you go read i believe it's chuck wendig's aftermath trilogy you know he's there and everything like that and you can just sort of go so much more in depth on these characters that aren't the focus of the films 
Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Captain Phasma. Uh, Phasma has a book coming out in September. You know, she didn't she didn't really have a big part in uh, Star Wars. Uh, she didn't have a big part of Force Awakens, but um, I wanted to learn more about her. Right. You know, I'm as, apparently she's going to have a bigger part and a big fight scene in The Last Jedi. So, um, of course, I wanted to learn more about Snoke. I wanted to learn more about him. I also wanted to learn more about Hux and his kind of power struggle with Kylo Ren trying to one up each other to, to get better in, in Snoke's eyes. So, I, yeah. I definitely wanted to learn more about the First Order because it felt like we got Kylo a lot, but I really, we don't know too much about the evil yet. We don't know, you know, if they're a typical, you know, Sith apprentice. It feels like something is different. So, and I feel like, you know, with The Last Jedi and whatnot, we're going to get more. Maybe more with, you know, Starkiller base and whatnot. Yeah, and... I just want to take this back to something that happened in the beginning of the film real quick when Finn helps Poe escape from the First Order and everything like that. And they have a crash landing and you see Finn's reaction to thinking that Poe is dead because he finds his jacket and doesn't find him. And they let him sort of sit with that and he believes it for at least I want to say an hour of the movie and then he sees Poe get out of one of the X-Wing fighters and it's one of those moments where you realize okay he thought Poe was dead this entire time BB-8 thought Poe was dead and you know the audience doesn't know that right away Sure, we see Poe a little before Finn does, but it's just one of those moments where they do a pretty good job of convincing you that there's a chance that something happened to this character, and then they just leave him out for a good hour or so of the film. And I think the fact that they didn't feel the need to have all three of their new characters on screen for the majority of the film is just another good choice that they made. They weren't giving you too much all at once basically oh no there, there's definitely um just in, in the whole movie and what jj abrams does i mean he is kind of a man of mystery i mean look at how he does cloverfield and he kind of brought that kind of mystery mystery into the star wars realm when he when he directed force awakens is that you have to do some digging it will give you the movie will give you some base stuff about the characters and stuff like that. But um, if you want to, you have to look at the canon. You have to kind of like seek out or wait for the next movie to learn more about these characters. Like you sit with them enough to kind of, you know, learn about more of their, their personalities and maybe some of their, you know, intentions and whatnot. But it's not really all clear. It just seems like everybody kind of got thrown together and all right, we're kind of like figuring it out. Oh, by the way, like there's this big weapon that can destroy a planet. So, you know, Force Awakens is more about, to me, like everybody, including the audience, kind of like getting reacquainted with Star Wars again. Right. And I think, you know, 
there were a few things that I noticed with the movie that seemed a tad unrealistic and things like that. And I think the main one was when Han walks on the bridge to talk to Kylo Ren, who apparently was named Ben by him and Leia. And there's just no railings on this bridge that basically goes over a big hole of nothingness <laughs> and it was just one of those things where I was sitting there watching it I was like why do the railings stop like six feet into the bridge and you know something like that but I think you know it's one of those things where it's forgivable because if you just saw Han lying there I don't think it would have had quite the same effect as it did with him falling off of the bridge so there you know there were some things I wouldn't say it was a perfect movie, but it was pretty darn close as far as Star Wars movie movies go. And I don't know what all they could have really done too much better for this reboot and for this new trilogy. Oh, with the railings, uh, I mean, when he gets stabbed, it would be less dramatic if he fell into a railing. Yeah. Other than like, and then be like, oh, you know, Han could get saved. It's just very impractical because it seems like anyone could just fall off if they like slip or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess Kylo and and you know Han at his old age have very good balance, but uh I guess <laughs> I guess what that is like, you know, if he got stabbed and fell, then it would give them time when he gets shot uh you know, Finn, Chewie and and Rey to come and try to like save uh, Han, even though I don't, I don't think you could kind of survive from a, uh, a lightsaber stab, stabbing right through. It looked like it went right through the gut, so I don't think that it, they would even reach him in time. But, right. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I. You know what? I didn't even notice that. I, I didn't even. Now I'm, I'm kind of. I, I want to go back to that scene. <laughs> because I'm like, wow, why would you, why would you walk into a big, I think it was a factory, they they went into like a factory or something, like, it, it looked like a factory or whatnot, why would you walk there and have a heart-to-heart conversation right there, but yeah. Yeah, and it's. It was just something I noticed even more on a rewatch, which I did earlier today before we recorded this, and it's like the railing starts and then it slopes after probably like six to ten feet or something, and then the rails just stop. So it's like, okay, why is that even a thing? Like, why bother with the railing to walk onto the bridge in the first place for, you know, just several feet? And like I said, that's obviously something that is pretty forgivable in the bigger scheme of things. And a railing would not have worked nearly as well for that specific scene. And I think that the way they shot a lot of these scenes too, it's like they had them framed just right. And, you know, you see Kylo put out the lightsaber and Han grabs onto it and then he sort of just turns it and turns it on right into Han and, I know there was a lot of talk specifically about his lightsaber, too, when the trailer first came out and everything, because it has that little crossbar on it that I don't think any other lightsaber has ever had. So was that something that 
either excited you or that you focused on when you first noticed that? I did some digging and um, apparently that's an old style lightsaber. Okay. I forgot. I forget when, but uh, back kind of, I think I want to say, because that actually brought up uh, questions about Snoke and where he was and, and what, uh, but it did, man, I'm trying to remember, well, let me, but it did come up real quick because that, uh, that cross guard, that style of lightsaber was, um, used before. I think, yeah, they, they mentioned it with the lights of Ren, um, but it was an ancient design back in thousands of years of the great scars of, of Malakor. So it, yeah, so it's back. That's back in Malachor um, when uh, the Jedi attacked the Sith Temple and whatnot. That, so it goes back a long, long time. So Snoke had, if he got the lightsaber from Snoke, Snoke has to be um, thousands and thousands of years old because that's before like the, the Galactic Civil War. Okay. Yeah, I actually hadn't done any digging into that specifically but I do want to note that even on a rewatch because I hadn't watched this again since I watched it in theaters I want to say opening weekend so I had plenty of time to let this movie sit and it was still just as good on a second watch and even though I knew Han was going to die in it it was still one of those moments where it was like just as painful as the first time you see it happen because you know what that moment means to him and then when you see Leia after it happens you know they cut to her back at the base and everything and you just see the pain on her face too because she knows and then even after that when Ray and Chewie and Finn come back without him she sort of just has this silent moment with Ray where both of them know nothing needs to be said. And it's just one of those moments that they handled so, so well. Yeah, I think the, the things with, uh, with Leia and the scenes with Leia worked a lot. Because you got to figure out, you got to figure that was years before she saw Han. Like Han had left. And whatnot, and what uh, Kylo did, I, I guess when he went rogue, kind of tore them apart a little bit. She um, she lost Han for a little bit, well, not for a little bit, for a long time, and then Luke, her brother, is gone, and it's been gone for for a long, long time, and she's ahead of the she's ahead of the head of the rebels, so a lot is weighing on her mind. But, you know, she's still, like, that comforting figure. She's, like, the mother. She's also, she's kind of like the mother that Ray never had, kind of. So it's going to be interesting to see, especially when, unfortunately, you know, Carrie Fisher passing before, you know, they filmed Nine, what, what figure uh, Leia is going to be, or General Leia is going to be in Eight. You know, if she's going to be the same thing. Is she going to see Luke? Uh, those are kind of the questions that I have uh, going from The Force Awakens into now. 
Yeah, and I do want to talk about some predictions for episode eight and everything. But first, I actually want to talk a bit about the droids, because not only do we get a new droid who's clearly going to have a fairly decent sized role with in BB-8, but we get C-3PO and R2-D2 back by the end of the movie. And, you know, I know for a lot of people, C-3PO has sort of been the annoying droid, so to speak. And I think they just handled him so well again in this because you see that moment when Leia gets off the ship and sees Han and they're having this moment and C-3PO just puts himself right in the middle of them to say hi and ask Han if he remembers him, basically. And it was one of those typical C-3PO moments, but then you get glimpses of BB-8 trying to interact with R2-D2, who has been in low power mode since Luke left. And even though these are droids and machines, they still find ways to give them a lot of personality, even though we can only really understand what C-3PO is saying, because he's the only one that actually, you know, speaks English. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I love, like, they brought they brought back the old droids, and of course you have BB-8, who I'm sure sold a lot of toys to the kids and whatnot, and plus he's small, so he's kind of like the new kid, and then you got, like, and I'm sure... You know, them introducing a new droid and whatnot, it brings life into that realm instead of it just being kind of like R2-D2 because R2-D2 was also, yeah, like you said, out of commission whatnot. So you didn't really see him. So he, he was kind of like the machine Luke. Like he was gone for most of the movie. So just to kind of give us time to introduce us to a new character. And I'm pretty sure that we're going to need all three when we go into the next movie. Yeah, and you even see R2-D2 leave with Ray and Chewie when they go to find Luke. And, you know, he ends up finding the map and sort of wakes up because BB-8 has the other piece of the map to find Luke. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, okay, even the droids played such an important role to this story that they're going to keep them in there even though they're sort of more replaceable simply because you know they're droids and everything like that and you even see c-3po with a red arm for a bit and i think it's back to gold by the end of the movie and it's just one of those things where they're so unwilling to part with these droids even though there are probably plenty of other droids that they could be using out there Oh, yes, it's definitely, I don't want to call it campy, but it's definitely a nod into, like, you know, here's how we're bridging old and new. You know, he has one piece of the map. They have another. They project it together. We find Luke. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that. Like, it's kind of like the whole, like, you know, each character, old and new, fits into a piece to, to go into the overall story. Yeah. Well, is there anything else from the movie that we didn't hit on that you wanted to touch on before we go into talking a little bit about episode eight? Oh, no, I think we, I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah. And obviously we have that final scene with Ray 
holding out Luke's lightsaber to him up on, you know, that island and everything. And I think, at least I'm hoping, they'll just sort of pick up where they left off. So I think that brings us nicely into our episode eight predictions here. Why don't you go ahead and give me some of your thoughts or even conspiracy theories on what might happen in episode eight? I think, especially with, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to break down fonts and whatnot, but the, I mean, the overall font is red. So I, I think that The Last Jedi is definitely going to be darker. It's definitely going to be our Empire Strikes Back. I'm not going to go as far as think that, uh, that I think Luke has found a better way, but I'm not really sold. I'm not really sure if he is going to be a gray Jedi, but I'm going to kind of make that prediction, you know, especially with him saying it's time for the Jedi to end um, and what happened with his father and whatnot and him trying to rebuild the Jedi temple and then it just getting destroyed again. Maybe, you know, he's kind of done with trying to rebuild the Jedi order and then maybe found something different. Um, I think that Kylo Ren is going to go full on Vaderish. Okay. Um, I think that you're going to see him a lot stronger. Um, I think that Snoke, I don't think that we're going to, I don't think that we're going to find out who Snoke is until the last movie. Uh, I think that we'll find out a little bit more about him, but I think he's going to still be the shadowy ominous figure in the background. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah, that's kind of what I do. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be darker. There's going to be a lot of losses on the on the uh, the rebel side. Yeah, and the last we saw of Snoke, he was basically ordering them to find Kylo Ren and saying that Kylo needs to complete his training. So it's clear that both him and Ray still need training. So I think we'll get glimpses of that in the movie. I don't think they're going to just gloss over that necessarily. And that makes me curious as to whether or not we'll see Snoke in person, because this entire movie, he was a hologram, a very, very large hologram (laughs) at that. And it'll be interesting to see if they end up telling us who Snoke is or if they leave that sort of for the final movie in the trilogy. I'm kind of hoping we get that with episode eight, but I'm not really counting on it necessarily. And, you know, I am pretty bad at predicting things in general, you know, whether it's like NBA drafts or, (laughs) you know, what's going to be in the next Star Wars movie. But I think... I agree with you on Kylo Ren and we'll definitely see him become more like Vader because we saw glimpses of it. And I think if he just manages to control his anger and direct it in the direction that they want him to, it'll be a lot more powerful and effective for his character and what he can do. And then We've already seen how Ray sort of is a lot more calm and thinks things through 
so it'll be interesting to see what they do with her because she seems to already understand the general idea of how to do this and she just needs more training to improve on that but I don't know if there's anything really that she needs to fix character wise like there might be for Kylo Ren if Kylo Ren really wants to be a a all-in-out Sith kind of like Darth Maul and, and, and Sidious and even Darth Vader uh, he's going to have to get over his fear. Uh, you could definitely tell that he was very fearful of how powerful uh, Ray was. And that was kind of a detriment to him. If you've gone through and you kind of see, saw the transformation that Anakin and went through with Darth Vader, Darth Vader was in a perpetual state of just focused on being angry. He had replayed him killing Padme over and over again in his mind, Kylo might actually draw upon killing Han as, as that his source of pain and then him getting stronger from that because that's what, that's kind of what the Sith, that, that's what they do. You know what I mean? They, they draw from their anger. They, uh, they draw from their hate. So now, you know, with Kylo getting beaten by Rey, now he has somebody to hate. Now he has somebody to focus that on. And that's Rey. So I think that although Rey is strong, and she's going to get stronger training with Luke, especially her finding Luke, now Kylo is going to be more of a man on a mission now. Because now he has two focal points that he's going to try to take out. And with the strip, that only makes you... That only makes you stronger, so... Yeah, and on a totally unrelated note to that, I was just thinking about some other ways they could have these nods to the original trilogy and everything. And one of the types of characters that I don't really recall seeing in this film was bounty hunters. So we see Han made a deal with probably some other smugglers and we see them and we see how that turns out. But I think it'll be interesting if they put in some bounty hunters in episode eight just to not necessarily, you know, take over the storyline or anything, but just to see what happens, you know, maybe the First Order hires some bounty hunters to go after Poe and Finn while Kylo tries to deal with Rey or something like that. I think that would be an interesting way to incorporate those characters into the new trilogy. Oh, so kind of like a uh, like a, a Jenga or Boba Fett. Right. Maybe there's a new Fett. I mean, that would that would be a pretty good way to keep that going and everything. I mean, there could be, but we don't really know what's out there. And that would actually be kind of cool. That would kind of um, make a like a, a an enemy kind of out, not really tied to the first order, but kind of still kind of dangerous. Right. Like kind of like there was a you know there was a job of the hut. There's got to be right. somebody else. There, there's got to be somebody else that they they could fight other than the first order. Yeah, because we see job of the hut, Boba Fett, and they bring in all these other outside forces, basically. So I think because we didn't see that too much in this first movie of the trilogy, it's definitely something that could be introduced more in episode eight. And we did get the cantina scene and 
all that, but no one really stood out in that scene other than Maz Kanata for me. And you have, you know, the droid that says, alert the resistance, and then the woman who goes and says, you know, alert the First Order, their droid is here, and everything like that. So I don't know, you know, what happened to a lot of the people in the cantina because it was attacked. So we don't really know who survived that. And if anyone from there, you know, was a bounty hunter or anything like that. And it'll be interesting to see if they bring back anyone from the cantina as well and have them sort of play this bigger role since they were in the background in this film. Well, I think especially because now, you know, it's going to come out that like Luke has been found. Right. So I think that will turn up. That's definitely going to turn up more, more people that that's, that's, that's going to, that might bring about some older people that might bring about some newer people. You know what I mean? So I think that Luke coming back into the fold and definitely hearing that there's a reappearance of Jedi is gonna is gonna dredge up a lot of people going forward. Yeah, and I think that was a good move too to not overdo it with this one and try to bring back every aspect that they had in the original trilogy and everything. Oh, now I think it would kind of overwhelm the movie, right. especially for especially for newer viewers. You know what I mean? Like uh, for people just kind of getting into Star Wars for the first time. Uh, there's a lot that you have to catch up on. Like there's two, there's two whole trilogies that you have to catch up on uh, before you even do this one. So, you know, I think they did enough where they gave you stuff new. So now you can kind of go back and see. I mean, if you really do want to kind of go watch the Phantom Menace, it's not really my personal favorite. <laughs> but um, if you want to go start from the Phantom Menace and then kind of end with Return of the Jedi, you can. You know what I mean? So you won't feel overwhelmed with all this folklore and whatnot once you get into the universe. And then with older people or us who are familiar with the Star Wars franchise, it just kind of felt like kind of going back and like visiting an old friend with like and and then they kind of just introduce you to new friends like, hey, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. Here's some new people and, and, you know, some new storylines and whatnot. And it felt and it felt good. Yeah. Well, it'll definitely be interesting to see what all they incorporate with eight and nine. And the fact that we're now getting additional movies, too, I think helps a lot with being able to tell these stories that you might not get to tell within the parameters of the trilogies. So I'm definitely looking forward to this. I think the Thursday night showings fall on my birthday. So, you know, if anyone would like to take me to see that, excellent birthday gift if you ask me but it'll definitely be a different experience to seeing episode eight because of the fact that carrie fisher passed between the movies and everything like that so i think this one might still be just as emotional for people as the first one was with the force awakens and them bringing it back and everything is there anything we missed that you want to touch on just kind of touching on the Carrie Fisher thing, that was really sad. Right. It's definitely going to bring The Last Jedi some sentimental value. Um, I'm glad that they're not, you know, using, you know, deleted scenes to bring her back, especially if they're not finished. And then Carrie Fisher 
can't bring her own form of mastery into, you know, episode nine. I think, I guess what they're doing now and what Ryan Johnson is doing is a good send off for not only for her, but for, for Leia, you know, Leia is, you know, everybody kind of talks about, you know, Wonder Woman and how great it is, but Leia was also, you know, one of those strong females. It, it, It was a, comic book universe with a strong female character at the present so i know how much leia means to people and you know i think this would be this this movie is actually going to be a a very good depiction of that character as a whole yeah well that basically wraps it up for the force awakens and Obviously, we will probably have you back on to cover The Last Jedi when that is out, because I definitely want to cover a lot more of the Star Wars stuff than I have. I feel like when I started the podcast, it felt like I had done quite a few Star Wars things in pretty close succession there, but I've kind of only sprinkled it in here and there now. So I think, you know, with the movie coming out and everything... We might be seeing some more Star Wars content here. So that's great news for all the Star Wars fans. I apologize to any of you who aren't Star Wars fans, but I'm apologizing to those of you who probably aren't listening if you're not Star Wars fans. But anyway, on that note, thank you all for listening. And as always, we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.